0: This blessed body of believers have been under the anointing of our Pastor Richie, who says that right now we're in a season of connecting, growing, and serving. So I want to put that out there first, because if you're part of this, you should be connecting with someone, doing something, you should be growing in more than one way in your life, in your relationship with God and others, because that's what he told us, love the Lord and love one another, and you should be serving somewhere, and that serving shouldn't be yourself. If you are serving yourself, you gotta step back and say, oops, I made a mistake, and find a place for you to serve, all right? So now, right now, our series is In God We Trust. And here's an overview. The first part that the Lord, that uh, Pastor gave us was, how do we trust God? Um, we trust God by having confidence in him, uh, and it begins in the heart. Do you guys remember that? He says that in order for us to trust him, we need to learn his word and build trust uh, by, and keep his commandments. He went on to say, in part two, that uh, we trust God with our finances. You guys remember that? He's talking about that. And once again, it begins in the heart. It begins in the heart. It's, it's the same faith that brought salvation, is the same faith we have with our finances, and it's the same faith we use when we're, tr- when we're trusting him it's the same faith. He went on to say, and I took this note that Martin Luther said that there are three things that are the hardest in a Christian life to change. Converting the heart, converting the mind, and converting the pocketbook. Do you guys remember him saying that? He said, you know what? God owns everything. He's in control of everything. He is, he is in control of everything and God will provide all of our needs. Uh, does anyone remember? So here we go. Here's where the Bible study began. Does anyone remember what he said? Uh, the scripture he gave us to remember. Does anyone remember? Proverbs three, five and six. Okay. So can we take turns saying it? Let's see Who, who knows the first part. I'll start it. Trust in the Lord with. And lean. But in all. And he will. There we go. Everybody passed, but we get to stay here and study some more. So exactly. And what you just did is exactly what God wants us to do. And that is he's given Pastor Richie the assignment of being our shepherd. And when our shepherd gives us an assignment, it's just like your boss at your job. Okay, you how dare you go to work an hour late and act like you weren't late? You lose your job. Well, when, he, when you come here and pastor gives us an assignment, it's your responsibility to get the job done. So now, if you haven't memorized that verse, more, more, uh, it's more about the benefit you'll receive from it than pastor receiving. Because I bet you he's already remembered it. Amen. So what I'm going to encourage everyone to do, we've only got a couple of days. I know it's been a while since we've been in school and had to memorize things, which as you get older, it's harder. <laughs> but take the time and put that in your heart. Because when you need it, it will be there for you. And you may not even realize that you remember it because I'm I, i at, I'm almost 60. And sometimes that is the hardest thing for me to do now. I used to read a verse and there it was. And I had memorized Psalms 91 and went back and I was like, uh, He who dwell, it's amazing what happens, but we can't overcome that because we've got, we've got the Lord living in us. So make sure you, you study that, make sure you do that. You learn that because we believe and trust that God has given us pastor Richie to be an overseer, to pray for us. And we need to be obedient to him. Amen. So also he talked about generosity. He said that generosity should be the mark in the lifestyle of the people of God, the law of participation. He said this, this was very, very, um, you know what? There are things sometimes when you come to church, like, like I, I try to listen to everything, but there are those things that just jump out. And they, and they hold you captive. And this was one of those moments. He said, the law of participation is when God's provisions meets the human needs through the generosity of his people, and God gets the glory. It's like when we go to the budget suites, and those people meet God's people and and if you guys don't have anything to do, remember I was talking about serving. When that event happens, you want to see some happy people. You want to see this prosperity, uh, 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 I'm sorry, this generosity message uh, in, in person. When we go there, you'll get to see it. And I mean, this, it is truly when God's provisions meet the human needs through the generosity of his people, and God gets the glory. That, that is something we need to hang on to. And our good shepherd, he gave us that word. And so God is counting on you to give because he said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measures, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men are going to give into your bosom. And so it's better to give than to receive. So, so that generosity thing was something he was really driving home, not to mention your tithes and your offering and your time. That's important. So then this past Sunday, we went through the hills and the valleys. And I don't know if you guys uh, 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 have had heard that song, uh, uh, God of the Hills and the Valleys, right? And, and it's so amazing because as I was asking the Lord to give me a message, and, and we know that. We know that. We know that because we read the word of God. We know that, we know that Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. He, he already told us. He already told us. And you know what? I thank the Lord when I think about my childhood. I didn't have as many troubles as the ones I produced when I got older, but he still covered me. And so he was talking about that, how Elijah the prophet, and he's the man of, of many ups and downs with regards to how he trusted the Lord. And sometimes he did, and other times he didn't. And, and you know why? Because God is raising up a bunch of teenagers. We're all teenagers we want to do what we want to do. And then we get in trouble and call a little mama, mama. Y'all know how we do that. And so the same thing was happening with this mighty man of God. And so, you know what? I, I just was going through what pastor was talking about when we were reading in second Kings. I want to say 17 through 21st King. I'm sorry. And was it first? There you go. Thank you. Cause it's a Bible study. Correct me. And he was talking about, I was thinking about like, when was, um, Elijah at the ups, you know, versus the downs. And do you guys, I don't know if we read the part where God had told him to go tell King Ahab, Jezebel's husband, that he was messing up in his house. And he had a hit out on him. You know what I mean? Elijah the prophet had a hit out on him. And so when he went to the servant of Ahab, Ahab was like, dude, dude, we done searched all over for you. Now you want me to go tell him you're here. And then if you don't show up, the king is going to kill me. And it goes on and on. But he was, he was on a high. He was full of the power and the authority of God. When he went to King Ahab, uh, to his servant and said, I need to talk to bro. I need, I need to talk to homie. I really do. And so that was one. Then he, uh, he tells him, look, you know, the Lord ain't happy with you, and we're getting ready to have a throw down at uh, Mount Carmel. That's what we're going to do. So what I want you to do is I want you to go and get your 450 prophets of Baal and get your 400 prophets of uh, Ashura. I forget the name of it, guys, but you can look it up. It's in like 1 Kings. He said, and meet me. I know a place. Meet me at the river. And so pastor told us about how the fire came down and water was poured all over. And uh, Elijah even laughed in their face. That, that's how powerful he was walking in the anointing that it didn't matter to him what he was facing. And sure enough, God showed up, consumed everything, and the people believed. But Jezebel was really mad. She was really mad. Um, the prophet also said, you know what? It's going to rain the drought is over, and it was this little cloud. And it came, and you know how we have those monsoons. That's what happened there. So, so theirs were some of the ups. Does anybody else remember any of the ups of the other ups? Because I'm just going off a of memory, my love. Anyone? So, there's probably more. Some of the downs were <laughs> after he did all that, they were mad at him, and he took off running he took off running. That's when, when he was, he was, you know what the Lord told me? He was under construction, just like us, just like us. You know, when you go to a restaurant and and it was really good, you know, or it was really bad and you went back and it was good or before it was good. Now it's bad. And you're like, okay, they got me once. They're not going to get me twice under new management. So that's what I've concluded has happened with Elijah. He is under construction when he's hitting these highs and these lows, because God is wanting to perfect him in his faith, in his faith. And you know what? God knows when we're afraid. So don't play with God and act like you're not afraid, you know, don't do it. So, so we know that was one when he ran because he was afraid. And then you guys remember he was, have you guys, has anyone here been so afraid or upset that you couldn't even eat? You lost your appetite. Have anybody done that? Yes. Yes yes, you have. I remember when I was a little kid and these girls were going to beat me up. I skipped my lunch. I skipped that lunch. I skipped that lunch. Cause I did not want them to beat the food out of me. So I can relate to that. And then remember he was his other down was he was so down. He wanted to die. He was like, Lord, look, stop playing. Would you just go ahead and punch my ticket and take me on home? And, and the Lord said, that ain't going to happen, homie. That ain't, that is not, okay. Every now and then a little lebonics will come out like, homie, uh, that ain't going to happen. So he wanted to kill himself. And then you guys remember he thought he was alone. He thought he was alone. When, when, he, when he was um, telling God about this, that, and the other, he said, you know, and I'm the only one left. But he didn't realize there were many more. D- does anyone know how many it was? Was it 700? Seven thousand. Amen, brother, because it's a Bible study. I will be calling on you. okay? (laughs) amen. And so and so that's what pastor have taught us up to this point, that even the prophet of God was going through hills and valleys. And I say his life was under construction. He was under construction. God was still trying to perfect everything in him to get it to resonate on the outside. That's the same thing he's doing to us. That's the same thing he's doing to us. So today, I'm going to talk about endurance because, remember, we learned that Jesus said, and I want to say John, I want to say it's in the book of John, in this world, you will have troubles. He said, but don't lose heart because I've overcome the world. See? See, we've already been told that we're going to have troubles. I think I took some notes about it. Uh, Job job he said this in chapter two five and five and seven he said man was born in trouble we know that we know that we know that and then james in chapter one of james he said (laughs) this is amazing he says uh when we fall into various troubles trials call it all joy so we already know that it's coming. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. Can everyone say amen? Because it's coming. It's coming. My goodness. The only reason it's not coming to knock at your door is if you don't leave your house. And see, even if you don't leave your house, you can have troubles inside of your house, right? And even if you, if you don't have a house and you live under a bush, you can't avoid it is the point that I'm making. Why? Because God wants you to have a little bit of friction in your life. Why? Because it's going to produce something for the betterment of you. And underneath all of that is his love. His, his desire is that you will succeed, not fail. Hallelujah. It is that you will succeed and not fail. So here's a definition of endurance. It's the fact or the power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way, right? You know, I was discussing this with my son, and I said, he's, he's 22, and I said, what do you think God means when he says that? Pardon me. He said, God don't want you being a punk. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Yeah, that's his generation conversation. He doesn't. He doesn't. It goes on to say that uh, endurance is suffering something painful or difficult patiently. Isn't that hard, though? Gosh, that is so hard. That is so hard. Patiently? So we're supposed to patiently suffer through this? And you know what? It went on to give another definition about endurance being when you see athletes performing. You know, uh, boxers. I, I kind of look at boxers as being different than a football team because it's all about you, homie. It's, it's all about you. Either you got it or you don't. You know, when you've got six people line up to run, it's all about you. It's not no team effort. And endurance has to do with how we run a race. And even Paul tells us that to run the race to win, to get to victory. Don't give up. Don't give up. My kids and I, do you guys watch Fear Factor? One of the grossest shows on TV. Have you guys, has anyone ever watched it? (laughs) Kim, we got one, Kim, we probably shouldn't be watching it since nobody else is watching it. You watch it. And, And it's amazing because we were watching the show, right? So the first one is usually like physical endurance, right? And then the second one gets real nasty and gross. And so they had like a ground up uh, pig eyes and pig parts and eyeballs and then they put maggots in there and all this other stuff, right? And they they, they they, were like, who will drink the most of this, right? And so, you know, on the other side, we're like, sure, we would have took that down. I held my nose and took it all the way down, took it to the head. But that's not true. But still, the endurance part of a race is about you hanging in there. And we think the worst part of fear factor is when you have made it through phase one, ate 15 bugs, right? Had crabs bite you in the butt. And then on the third round, you go home. (laughs) It's like, oh gosh, I never want to go on that show. It's horrible. So, So that's what endurance is. So now when we talk about afflictions, because, you know, have you guys ever had like those friends that, that everything is an affliction, everything, everything. So I can remember years ago, Her probably remembers this joke, and there was this comedian, and he was talking about the difference in uh, African American culture and Caucasian culture. He said, <laughs> he said, you know what? He said, you know, I didn't have white friends until I made it to high school. He said, and, and it was a joke. He said, and, <laughs> and I remember my friend was saying, oh, wow, my mom's car broke down. And so we had to drive my mom, or my dad's Mercedes, and wham, broke up, right? And he said, you know, and I was thinking, shoot, my mama don't get her food stamps for two weeks. And (laughs) my sisters ran away. And so, you know, troubles can be different to different people. And so I'm going to tell you what the Lord says about troubles, because some people call them troubles. It's like, get over it, rub some dirt in it. You'll be fine. Right. So if we go to Second Corinthians four and 17, it says for our light afflictions. Imagine that all the hell you've been through the word of God says it's a light affliction. So we all should just not even complain anymore. Which is, but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you know what? When we go to Romans 8 and 28, we find out that even what you called an affliction, it says, And we know all things work together for the good. All things. All things. The trouble works together for the good to those who are called according to his purpose and for those who love God. And then I started thinking about Psalms 30. It says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. So you know what? It's almost like God is saying, grow up and get over it. So what we're going to talk about, and this is where I need you to participate, because one thing we know that the way we build an unwavering faith is that we know God has a plan for our life. Can anyone tell me what the plan is? There's a lot of them. Miss Linda, can you think of one of the plans? It actually says, I have a plan for your life, a plan to to bless you and not harm you, to prosper you, to protect you. Right? So if he's got a plan, why can't we trust the man with the plan? Why can't we? yeah, because we're teenagers and we just want to do what we want to do. Hallelujah. And so God has a plan and he said he has a plan. He has a plan for us to do us no harm, to prosper us. He has a plan to direct our steps. He has a plan that even when we fall, he picks us up. He has a plan that if he had 99 of us and we all were doing good and one of us went off, he would leave the ninety nine behind to come and get us. He's got a rescue plan. You guys remember uh Bear Grills? Remember that show? Does any I'm the only one who watched TV around here. Y'all remember that? What was the name of it? Oh man versus wild and how 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 you know what he taught us how to like, you know, eat this roach and don't eat that roach and eat this, eat this pea and don't eat that pea, and he taught us how to drink our own pea once. Did y'all did y'all say that? Right? Well, well imagine if Bear Grylls have taught us how that I don't know who would be in the wild and why you would be there, but he's taught us that if you're in the wild, this is what you can do to survive. Somebody need to come where I live and tell me how to survive there too. But the point is. God has told us all how to survive. He has He has a plan for us, and the plan requires us trusting him. It really does. And pastor told us to remember that scripture. Why? Because if you start leaning to your understanding, you're going to miss the boat. When you are in trouble, you will jump out of the, out of the pan into the fire. And God doesn't want that from you. What he wants from you is to trust him. Stay in the pan. He's going to just turn the heat down and put you in the refrigerator. You might stay in the pan, but he's not going to turn up the heat. we got to trust him. We have to. We have to. We have to trust God's plan because we said that we believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He died for the remission of our sins. We believe every word in the Bible is his. And if you do all that, then why not listen and do what he said? Amen. Amen. So here we go. Let's move on. The Lord told me to tell you that you will never in this life be able to obtain 100% of trust in him. So if you have a spirit of perfection, get over it. You're not going to. Something's going to happen, and you're going to waver in your faith, which is why you need to remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 so that you can understand what Romans 8 and 28 says, so that you know that it's going to be all right. It's going to work out for the good, right? But what you have to do on a daily basis is add to your faith. So here's what we do. Number one, I'm going to start it, and then we're going to open this up. How do, we, how do we learn how to endure in the valleys? Number one, we make a long-term commitment, to trust God by studying his word and following it day by day, day in and day out. You just have to make a commitment. You have, you have to settle the worst things that you can think of in your life. And I tell you guys, it was tough when I thought about my mother possibly passing, even though I have friends who most of my friends, their mothers pass. And, and I've, I've been through that with them, and the pain was tough. But, boy, I had to really take hold of that. My children passing, my grandchildren passing, you know, my siblings. And so once, once I decided, once I made a commitment that I was going to trust God, no matter what it felt like when my husband was on deathbed, and every day they gave him a sentence of death for about three months, and, and when he was in a coma four months, they said, what you see is what you get. Imagine a doctor telling you that. And my husband was in a coma and pretty much on life support. And I stood by him because I trusted God. He said in his word, this is not unto death, but for my glory. And I said, Lord, this don't look like Glory. This really looked like a combination of a predator, alien, a Loch Ness monster. It didn't look nothing like glory, but I could tell you what God told me. He said to put some faith on it. So at the top of my husband's bed, I had, I walk by faith, not by sight, because what I could see was in his spirit. God said his spirit shall sustain him in time of sickness, and it did. Why? Because his word does not return void, which is why you need it in your heart you need to come to grips with it. You need to make that commitment to trust God and study his word day in and day out, all right? And when we take that and combine, when we combine faith and commitment, that same faith that caused you, Walter is the person, newest person I know, that gave his life to Christ, and he came up there and he was baptized. That same faith that gave you salvation combined with commitment, is what you need to endure. It's invisible. It's invincible. Nobody can conquer that, right? No one can. It's a kind of commitment that we see when those marriages made by heaven, that it doesn't matter. I was watching TBN one day, and they had a couple on there that the wife had an affair, got pregnant, had a baby, and for years, the husband didn't know it. And they gave their life to Christ's husband, took care of the baby like it was his. It wasn't the first. It's like third or fourth, somewhere in between the other ones. And she came clean and told him, I can't live like this anymore, you know. And he said, that's all right. That's my baby, you know. And And that's that commitment. That's a commitment we have when we say, I'm going to put my faith with my commitment. And no matter what I go through, I'm going to endure. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it through this. So now here's another one. And then I'm going to ask you guys to give me some of what you think. Train yourself to handle adversity. Be prepared. Be prepared. Isn't that what they told the Boy Scouts? Be prepared, right? God told us that too be prepared, be prepared to give an account, be prepared to give a witness, be prepared to give a testimony. Well, you better be prepared for the enemy because, because the word says when he runs in like a lion, he coming at you. He's not coming to just bite you. He coming to kill you. You got to be prepared. So right now you need to be training your mind in the word of God to handle adversity, handle adversity, because you know what? Let me tell you what, Adversity is a frenemy of commitment. God, gave me that word for you. Adversity is a frenemy of commitment, right? It acts like it's liking you. My son tells me this. They act like they for me, but they really against me. Yeah, that's adversity. It's a frenemy of your commitment to know the word and to study the word and to, to bear down, you know, get put your... Put your heels in it when something's coming, right? Sometimes in the midst of those adversity, you need to allow yourself to just flow through it. You need to. And what I mean by this is what I said. Eventually, my husband or I, one of us is going to leave the other behind unless we go together. And I've dealt with that already. I've dealt with it in my heart, just like I dealt with my salvation And that's that. Uh, uh, Deal with the adversity now. Don't hide. Whatever it is that you're worrying about, put it out there. I remember when my house was in foreclosure. I can remember that. And I'm a real estate broker. Imagine that. I made enough money to pay my house off in one year and didn't because of financial disobedience. Thank God I tithe and I I give freely. My husband and I give freely. Or we would have been homeless. And I can remember praying, right, praying that prayer of a faith that everybody was praying, girl, we're going to ask God to save your house. Oh, God, save Aura's house, right? But God was working out something different in Aura and Herb. And Herb was, Herb had just came home, was totally incapacitated, had a feeding tube, a wound back, and it was something else. But you know what? What was amazing is this. God said, "Mm mm-mm. I went downtown and watched them auction my house for less than what I paid for 20 years before. But you know what? I called it all joy. I called it all joy because how can we, the word of God in Job, he says, shall we only praise God for his good things and and not want his adversity? Well, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be the kind of person that, that I can say hallelujah. As a matter of fact, When things start happening in my life, which is one of the things I wrote down, how do I endure? I laugh. I laugh. When they were telling me about my husband, you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong with my husband. He had a stroke, and the next thing you know... There was tubes in every hole except them two right there in your eyeballs. Did y'all know? I mean, in those little tear ducts. I mean, he just did. And they would come and say, oh, you know what? We found out this and we found out that. And and I would just laugh, right? And one of the doctors sent a psychiatrist in to talk to me. And I was like, no, you just don't know. The joy of the Lord is my strength because I had the word in me. I had the word in me. And because I had the word in me, when the adversity came, I just did what God told me to do right? I remember a friend of mine played at UNLV. Wasn't a smart kid, but he could play basketball real good. And they said, Hey, how is it that you, I mean, man, you are where you supposed to be all the time. He said, coach told me to do it. And I do it. And that's what I said to the enemy. When adversity came my way, coach taught me how to do it. And I'm gonna do it. Okay. So, so those are some of the things now. What, what I want to ask you guys is how do you handle adversity? Because I want us to talk about what we usually talk about. And then I asked God, I said, you know what, Lord, can you just let me get a little bit to the left? He said, yeah, go ahead. So let's talk about right now, if anyone, I don't care who it is, how do you handle, how do you handle uh, adversity, your troubles, your toils, that, that endurance? What do you do to increase your endurance? Can anybody give me a a hint of anything? Go ahead. Amen. Did you guys hear him? He reads his word because you can only put your faith and confidence in God up to the point of that relationship you have with him. Everybody agree? Amen. Amen. Can someone else give me... um, Give me an idea of what, what you would say? Amen. man Amen. Amen. And remember, Pastor Richie said that. He said, go back to your past. So here's what happened. Thank you, Linda. That's one I needed to hear you guys say so I can share this with you. My little boy that's 22 years old, that's completed one degree, going on a second degree, heading to medical school. When he was 13 months old, he fell in a pool, fell in a pool at my brother's house. My brother and all of his kids and his wife was at home. My little boy was 13 months old. If you turned on the fountain to get a drink, he'd run to the water. He just loved water. And I remember getting a text. We didn't have cell phones. He's 22 now. And the text was all these numbers. And, and, you know, I didn't really want to leave him, but I did anyway, because my family was like, oh, he's the baby of the family, and I left him. And the next thing you know, he's at the bottom of a pool. It was the 3rd of July, the day before the 4th of July. So all the media was at my brother's house, and here was my family on TV as they were talking about, be careful, don't let your kids drown in a pool. And there was my son. And I can remember the first time I heard the Lord's voice was that day. Has anyone here heard an audible voice? Has anyone? Raise your hand so everyone can see you. Amen. Hallelujah. And I wasn't even afraid. You know how they, they you know, Paul was like, Lord, is that you? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he said, Lord, is that you? But anyway, I wasn't afraid, right? And what the Lord said to me that day is don't ask any questions. My baby is in the bottom of a pool. They got him at the hospital, trauma unit. Come to find out he's 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 on life support. They told me to call and make arrangements for it. and you don't want me to ask no questions. And this is, you know how when the Lord is talking to you, he, he's talking to my spirit, and I'm going back and forth. He said, it'll cost your son's life. I ain't got no questions to ask nobody, Lord. Uh, we good, we good. And when I got to the hospital, people wanted to tell me what had happened was, and I couldn't even let them tell me. Because God had said to me, it'll cost you your son's life. And so to this day, I've got bits and pieces. But I know God was perfecting my marriage because I was one tough sister. My goodness, my husband went through hell and back until that time. But God was fixing me. He was touching something that meant so much to me to get my attention. And sometimes what I want to talk to you about is hard love. That's hard love. And he has the right to give us hard love just like we give it to our children and family members who we know you out on crack. I'm not giving you $20 so you can buy a rock. I'm not going to do it. You know, you did it for years, but now you've made a decision, Lord. Whatever happens, happens. I'm trusting you. You go ahead and send someone because I didn't talk to him. I ain't even got breath to talk to him no more. And God says, yeah, hard love. That was a hard love experience for me. And let me tell you how I endured I shut my mouth and I prayed. And the Lord said to me, just like what he told me later on with my husband, you'll take him home. And that night as my husband, my husband wasn't saved. That was the other thing the Lord was doing is because I was saved. And whenever my husband didn't give me what I want, I tell him, that's why you're going to hell. (laughs) I was a horrible wife. I told you I was. That's why you're going to hell and me and the kids, because the sanctified woman shall sanctify her. I don't know about the husband, but I know my kids, right? And that experience brought my husband to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because my little boy, they told us that night, they set us down and you know how they, you know how on TV they do that, you know, Dr. Well, BMD, y'all remember that back in the day? And they sit you down, right? What's that new one? I like him. He is so cool. I can't remember his name right now, but my girls and I used to watch him all the time. He had a limp. Anyway. And they said, house, there you go, girl, Mr. House, Dr. House, there you go. And so they sit the family down, and they got to tell you, right? And the Lord told me to stand up and ask him this question. Have you done everything you can do? And I said, don't answer, think about it. And it was the neurologist there who said my my son's brain was damaged, and his lungs were full of water, and once again, tubes out of every hole, And they, you know, concurred with each other. And uh, I said, and is there something you can do that maybe if we had better insurance or money, you would do it? Because we got a phone call from a very wealthy friend of Herb's who says, honey, let me tell you something. If money is an issue, let me know how much I'll bring it to you today. And they said, "Nope, we've done everything. And Herb is sitting there crying like a three-year-old being pulled out of Kmart. He's just crying. Jesus, Herb. I mean, they trying to get herbs and medication too. And so I stood up and I said, well, let me tell you what God told me to tell you. If you've done everything you can do, he gonna do the rest. Can I get a hallelujah up in here? He gonna do the rest. And he did. And he did. And when I went home, I was nursing my little boy. I went home, and, uh, you know, about 2 in the morning, because this happened in the afternoon, and the Lord said, go home and get a rest. Uh, there was a nurse there. She said, I'm a Christian. I'll be praying for your son the whole time. God told me to go tell you to go home and get some rest. I did. I happened to be nursing at the time, and when I woke up, I had, like, you know, them expanders <laughs> woo. Anyway, I said, Herb, we got to go to the hospital. He said, why? Why? I said, because I got a nurse. <laughs> and so we get up, we go there and I'm expecting this miracle, right? And I get there, and my little boy's still in a coma. And I said, Lord, this don't look like no miracle, but I walk by faith, not by sight. I this don't look like a miracle, Lord. And God continued to talk to me and he told me what to do. And it's pretty graphic, so I won't share it with you now, what I did. Uh, it's like with nursing and that kind of thing. But, you know, the men over here might be a little bit embarrassed. So we, won't, we won't go there. And my little boy looked up at me. And, you know, but he looked through me. And then he looked up again at my breast. And he's like, wait, I know what that is. Now I don't know who you are, but I know what that is. And hallelujah, I brought him home two days later. And my little boy was profoundly retarded. He was, he walked like he had a Trump traumatic accident, but I didn't care. Cause I told him I was going to bring him home. And I told everybody that we had a prayer chain to New York. I'm going to bring him home. I don't care what he looked like. I'm going to feed him and love him. And he's going to be mine because God had shown me who he was. And he showed my husband who gave his life to Christ. My little boy didn't talk until September of that year. And the first word he said was daddy. The first word he said, what a word, what a word, daddy. And that's what we have when we trust God is we have a daddy that we can call on. And when I, my husband went through that experience, what Linda said is, is exactly the point I'm going to make. Because she said, what you do is you remember what he did back then. And here my son was 15 years old and my husband who had lost 80 pounds to overcome high blood pressure. He was doing everything he was supposed to do. Eating properly, had a massive stroke, two intracranial bleeds in the center of his brain as we were getting up to go to church. And they literally told me that day, it's just a matter of hours, he will be dead. And my husband kept telling me, because God knew I needed it, I'm gonna be all right. Not long after that, he went into a coma and I had a sister like Linda, who called me up, my sister Yvette, and she said, you know what, Aura, Woman of faith, I I know you're struggling, but God told me to tell you this. Remember what he did for your son. Remember? Remember! Go back to that faith and that's what I want you to hold on to. Linda, thank you for giving me that. Because that's exactly what I want to tell you. That if you can remember when God did something, pulled you through, like It's simple as you should have got a ticket because you were speeding, but he got the other guy and he didn't get you. Go back and remember that and pay it forward when you're going through other struggles. Does anyone else have something? I've got some that probably are a little bit off the chart. How about, Kane? can you think? Go ahead, Rick, please. What do you do when you're enduring something? Say it a little louder. got you. Amen. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And it's John, did you say first John greater? And you know what? A lot of times I, sometimes I'll give scripture. Sometimes I don't because I want you to go find it. You can Google it now before you had to call five pastors you know what? They was pre- <laughs> now you can Google. You only need three words, and you can pretty much get it. Greater is in He that is in me than He that's in the world. Amen. That will help you endure. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Here's some. Here's some that the Lord, as I was ministering, that, that kind of are run of the mill. Like they're not. They're not run of the mill. They're they're a little bit different, right? And He equated it to to, to His word. One is when you hit that adversity. Begin with the end in mind. Like I said to you, when my husband uh, was sick, right? When my house went into foreclosure, my house went into default because I couldn't make my house payments. I started to deal with the end. What's the worst thing that could happen to me? My whole family lives in Las Vegas. I'll go back and live with my mama. Right? Right? If you deal with the worst thing that can happen to you, you've already dealt with it, right? What's the worst? It's going to ruin my credit. Okay, I've already dealt with that. What does that mean? You can't go out and buy nothing that you don't need anyway. Okay, hallelujah. I got that, Lord. Begin with the end in mind. God did that in Genesis. He told me that. In Genesis, we hear day number one. God God wasn't waiting for day number seven. He already knew what was going to happen on day seven. He was taking the day off. He knew that. He knew that. He knew he was taking the day off. We're the ones who had to read through one, two, three, four, five. See, he began, he said he began a good work in us till the finish. He did. He knows all of that. And so part of us having endurance is Begin, when that struggle comes, look like I'm going to get laid off on my job. Deal with it. Deal with it. First thing I'm going to suggest you do is find out where the, uh, what Human Resource Department is to see if they're going to cut you a check. That, deal with it. Find out what Unemployment Office is. Deal with it. Deal with it. The beginning with the end in, at, in mind, Okay. Here's something the Lord said, watch other people, watch other people that have endured. You know, it's amazing because watch other people, watch other people, you know, that's kind of like, you got to fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it, watch other people act like them, you know? We look at Jay-Z and Beyonce and, uh, you know, people who, who are out there in, in the public eye, and we act like they ain't got no problems. Well, act like them. Like you act like you ain't got no problems. That's what the Lord said. You know what? Fake it till you make it. If you don't have all the faith you need to put you, to get you through, then just act like you do. Nobody don't. Nobody will know. You know, we as women, we carry fake purses. <laughs> don't nobody know wear fake hair. I put two, two extra clips in this. So it didn't fall off. We wear fake fingernails, right? We fake it. We fake it till we make it. And sometimes fake is good. Cause if you saw the real thing, right? I'm telling you, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we fake it. We act like we emulate people who we know who have endured. I told you the story about my mother, five children at 26. I wish I would cry about losing anything in my life when my mother had to raise five children by herself at age 26, go back to school, take care of us, never could qualify to get one food stamp, let alone one government cheese. Never could. I have never complained because of my mother. If my mother can do it, I better pull up my boots and get to stepping is what I better do. So think about those people who have and act like them, faking until you make it right. And, uh, I'm going to give you a couple more. Does anyone else have any? That's right. he, Amen. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, and we're going to go back here and then we're going to come back to you. Go ahead, sis. Amen. Somebody better be opening your mouth. Linda, please go. Be. Amen. be still and know that i am god amen hallelujah yes amen 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 whether we abase or abound amen he told us that and you know what that plays right into that whole thing about call it all joy and i've lived that calling it all joy i have lived that i have lived that i ran into people who said i would share my story because i'm very transparent You know, we bond with people when we share our adversities more than when we share the good things going on. Because why? Because we got Haterade in us. And people got haterade. And when you start sharing, girl, let me tell you about what happened. So anyway, at my job, and, and they oh, girl, yeah. Girl, I can't stand her anyway because she always break. But you start breaking down some of the dirt, you got their whole ear. And if they are Christians, that's what bonds us together when we share our adversities. Why? Because God has given us a spirit of mercy. He's given us a spirit of mercy. So when we see somebody going through something, we're able to say, girl, it's going to be all right because let me tell you what Jody did to me. I ain't telling nobody, but I'm going to tell you and you can tell it. See, that's what bonds us together because then we start sharing each other's story. And when we share each other's story, we give God the glory. Hallelujah. We give him the glory when we share our stories. I am very transparent. If you spend any time with me, you will see that I am very transparent. I fall down and I get up. Because God says a righteous man will fall down seven times. But guess what? We get up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We see that God was even talking to Elijah. He said, Elijah, if you don't get up, you know how when our kids falling out at the store and you get real close to their ear and you say, dude, you don't want me to bust you in the face if you don't get up from this floor. I'm gonna kick you three. You know, you know how we do that. God does the same thing, He does the same thing for us. He comes and He rescues us. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, here's just one of my off the cuff kind of as I was talking with God because God and I we have fun. And God said, Well, what are some of the things you've done? Have you guys ever thrown a fit with God while you're going through some stuff? Shoot, I gotta tell you, I have thrown some fits. And I want y'all to know, when you're going through some adversity, throw a fit. Throw a fit. Sometimes you get what you want. Remember when your kid would throw a fit? Just take the doll. Get it. We ain't got to rent money, but get the doll anyway. Get it, because I can't take it no more. And we need, to have, we need to throw a fit. We do. But there's a right way to do it. There's a right way to do it, right? We need to throw that fit, and we need to talk God's talk to God. We need to talk his, God. oh wait, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, because you know what, enough is enough. Y'all remember that show, Jennifer Lopez, she, she was in a movie called Enough, and her husband was beating her up. Did y'all remember that? Okay, so let me tell you a little bit. Y'all remember, anyway, Jennifer Lopez, she made this movie where she married this rich guy, and he was beating her up all the time, right? So she started going to the gym. She got it. She got with a few sister girlfriends. Girl, you ain't got to take all that. And she's like, "Really?" This, mm-hmm, girl. Let me tell you what. I'm gonna bring. Come on up here. Pookie gonna show you how to do this, okay? And so she got tough. She went and got her workout on. Right, y'all remember that she was kickboxing and oh, she was ready. And so sure enough, homeboy comes and she did a number on him. And we can do the same thing with God's word. In a kind, loving way, because remember, he is God. Okay? Kind of like when your mama say to do something, you better put a man behind the yes, right? So here's what what the Lord was saying to me. This is what he said. You need to work out with his word. Lord, I'm about to chew this word up. You know how they say hard love and love hard. You got to get into the trenches and love hard God's word. You got to love his word so hard that when you step in the ring with God, you say, hold up, hold up. You said you'd never put more on me than I can bear. And right now, home brother, right now, Papa God, this is pretty unbearable. And if I'm supposed to trust you and you're at your word, then this is where we got, I got to, I got to tap out. And you have to lift the burden off me. But you got to know his word to be able to tell him that. See, you got to be able to tell him, my heart is broken. I can't do this no more. We see the prophet Elijah. He did that. He said, he said, you know what? Just take my life. Just take. Why? Because he threw a fit. He threw a fit. We know Jacob threw a fit and said, look. You done messed around here and sent this angel my way? You playing with me? You going to bless me and I ain't letting you go until you let it dislocate your hip because you so into the word and you throw a fit that God says like the the woman who went to the king and she kept coming and coming. Am I right, Linda? And she said, she kept bothering him. He said, Lord, I got to do something. This woman going to drive me crazy. She had a fit. And the king did something. See, sometimes we just got to get nasty. But it's like a holy nasty. You know, God. Kind of like what I used to do with my husband when I wanted something, you know, real soft. Had a little twing of poking him a little bit. Because remember, you didn't get me none for my birthday. so for Christmas, right? We can do it. We can have a fit with God, right? Because he said his word would not return void. So when you have a fit with God, you better make sure it's his word and not what your homie had said. Ask and it shall be given unto you. That's right. Seek and ye shall find. Hallelujah. Knock and the door shall be opened. Lord, I am knocking this door down because I can't do it another day. I can't do it another day. Now, you said that if I submit myself to you, you give me the desires of my heart, and this don't feel like it. It don't feel good, Lord. It don't feel good. Help me, Holy Ghost. It don't feel good. And then jump a little bit like the Pentecostals do. Whip and little nay nay. and do whatever you got to. But you know what? My point that I'm making is you got to throw a fit. You can't always look like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, throw a fit. Oh, my God, I don't know what this woman at this job is doing, Lord. And you told me, I'm going to tell you to do what you told Prophet, Smite a Lord. It's okay because somebody else said it. See, there was uh, these teenagers that was messing with God's prophet and some bears came, tore them up. Lord, is there any bears in Las Vegas to get these people that's messing with me? You can have a fit, throw a fit with God. Amen. Amen. He's wanting us to do that. See, and and here's here's something else the Lord told me to tell you. That if you're going through something, and this is for you, Pastor Richie, if it's being recorded, give Pastor Richie a call. (laughs) Give him a call. Give him a call. He is a man of faith, and the word says that he will pray, and you will be healed. He will lay his hand on you and cast out some demons because not everything you got is because of somebody else is because of what you did, what you didn't got into. You didn't took something you shouldn't have taken. But guess what? Pastor Richie can lay his, cast out demons. May, might, might, might take a group of them, but we can do it. That's what he's here for, to help you through your rough times. That's what he's here for. That's what he's here for. And the last thing I want to tell you is I thought this was actually... This too shall pass. Has anyone ever used that? This too shall pass. You know, you'll be talking to your friend, yeah, girl, this too shall pass. I really thought it was a scripture. I say that to people all the time. Girl, yeah, this too shall pass. And you know what I found out? It's an old adage from the 11th century. A poet wrote that. Because a king said, you know what, when I'm going through difficult times, he charged them with the responsibility of giving him something that would give him hope and encouragement. And what they came up with is, this too shall pass. I said to you earlier that weeping only lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. When I think about uh, being a kid, my mom would say, <laughs> this is how my mom would say it, if it don't kill you, it only make you stronger, right? She'd say, rub some dirt in it some dirt in it, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. And you know what? It was simple, but it's really the truth, right? If you're going through something, you're going through it. And and David told us it's a shadow. It's a shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, it's a shallow shadow. It's false evidence appearing real. And so hang in there. Hang in there. We've given you enough tonight for you to take home and and just marinate on it, right? Because you can handle more than what you think you can if you believe things can only get better. That's what the Lord wanted me to tell you. You really can handle more than what you think you can. If you will just believe, things can only get better. They can. And I thank you, Lord, so much for an opportunity. We'll close in prayer. And then I have a song. Because the bottom line is God gets to decide the outcome. We don't, Lord. We give you full authority to have your way, Lord. To to make us be the fullness of Christ Jesus in our lives Right here as we rub elbows with one another, we shine it all up and make it look good, Lord. But when we leave here and we're working with people who, my goodness, if it wasn't for the spirit in us, we would slap them three times and lose our job. We just want you to fix us, Lord, and make us right so we're not hypocrites, Lord. That when we go to the world, that the world can see us enduring through struggles, Father God. I thank you in Jesus' name, his precious name, his matchless name, for every struggle you have put in my life, every adverse situation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for for caring enough about me to help me be the person you want me to be because I couldn't do it without the struggle. And so you said, you'll either learn by wisdom or you'll learn by crisis. And, Lord, those crises have made me a better person. And I just want to thank you this night. As my brothers and sisters, we depart from here, Lord, we know that you'll continue to minister to our souls. And we say hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're so sweet and so wonderful. And we give you the praise and the honor, Lord. We lift up Pastor Richie, Lord. I pray that he is having the best time of his life, Lord. I pray that, that, that there is an overflow anointing that he'll bring back with him, Father God. I don't know what's fresher than fresh, but I can remember there was a song, Fresh She's Fresh. And, Lord, there's a fresh and fresh freshness, then let him bring that back, Father God. And we'll be here to receive him, Lord, and we'll be here to honor him for who he is. And we will call him our true shepherd, Lord, because you've assigned him to be over us. Bless his wife and his children, Lord, his comings and his goings, Father God. I just thank you so very much for what you're doing. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.